0: Today, we're going to look at what God's word says about the Christian should think about avoiding debt. What the Bible teaches about avoiding debt. And next week, we're going to learn about how God would want us to invest his resources for the future. So why all this preaching about money, finances, personal financial responsibility, giving? Why do these guys... Always talk about money. Well, I have to tell you, honestly, we don't teach that much on the subject. Frankly, we probably ought to teach more on the subject of money and wealth and finances and giving. Why is that? Because there are so many, so many lessons in the Bible, principles in the Bible on the subject. And we ought not shy away from them or even even if they make us maybe a little uncomfortable which they shouldn't. God's omniscience knew this when He delivered His Word to us. And He knew that the lives that we that the Israelites lived in the first century church were living would be affected by money. God knows. The topic of money and finances shouldn't be shied away from, because it impacts our lives in many ways. I submit to you that even though the Bible was written several several millennia ago. It is an extremely relevant topic in our lives today. That certainly, isn't the case. that certainly is the case in this culture that we live in and how we interact with money. There are approximately 500 examples in the Bible about prayer and faith. Prayer is a huge component, obviously, of a Christian life. It's a means with which we communicate. We have the honor to communicate with the Creator of the universe Faith is how we come into a relationship with our Savior and King through faith. We are saved through faith in Jesus. So there's 500 teachings on faith and prayer. But there are 2,000 teachings in the Old and the New Testament on the subject of money and possessions. Hmm. There are more teachings... On the broader subject of money and possessions. Than there are teachings on heaven and hell. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Of the 38 recorded parables of Jesus in the Bible. 16 surround the topic of money and possessions. Brian talked about this earlier. So why would an all-knowing, omniscient God. Creator of all things on this earth. Who breathed out his word for us. Who preserved his word for us. That we have with us today why would he spend so much time of his bible content on the mundane topic of money throughout the history of mankind money has been a constant challenge to our forefathers and to us today i just read a series on the american revolution and do you really realize that without the french opening up their pocketbook we would never have a free country they gave us money and supplies And we made it through. It's a constant topic upon what we think about money. And how we earn and live our lives every day. God knew back then and even today. That we weak, fallen humans. Could be easily distracted. (laughs) And even deceived by money. There's nothing wrong with having money. There are examples of very wealthy people. Recorded in scripture. Isaiah. Job. David, Abraham, Solomon. Nothing wrong with having money. Being blessed with God by financial resources. But it's a matter of the heart that God is interested in. Money can be a blessing. It can be a curse. Money and how we use God's provision in our lives tells many stories in the lives of the people using it. Money can be a distraction. Money can cause fights. Did you know that money... And uh, our our active policeman isn't in here today, but do you know that he would say this, I'm sure, that money causes most of the crime in the world. Money can bring on anxiety. Money can give us momentary comfort. Money is an all-pervasive topic in our lives, and that's why God talks about it so much. And in a very prescriptive detail, as we're going through these principles... And we'll see, especially today. But it's not really about money, is it? Money is just printed or stamped funds. It's a commodity. It has no feelings. It can't communicate to us. It doesn't physically pull us to do things or force us to act certain ways. It's not the means. It is the means of transacting uh, between humans. But that doesn't cause the problems. The problems come from the humans. And how we interact with money and finances, how we view and use money. That's why I believe God spends so much time in giving example after example of how we should view and use his money. This is why God, I believe, spends so much time on the subject of money. God gives us a solid foundational principles, four of which we're we're going through in this series on money. And how we should be stewards of his funds. So we continue our study on the topic today. But let's first invite God into this, to this discussion. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us your word, your instruction manual, on how we are to live our lives. Speak to us through your word, Lord. Father, give us today on this Sabbath day of rest. And even on this day of rest, money goes through our minds. And perhaps right now it's going through our minds. Lord, our culture today, particularly in the United States, seems preoccupied and distracted by money and its many perils. You have given us so much to know on the subject, yet we we are often pulled along by money. Thank you, Father, for caring for us and wanting us to live blessed, contented lives. Slow down our world. Open our ears and our hearts so we can learn from you this morning. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, we got a really big verse we're going to be studying today. Go to Proverbs 27 and 7. I was kidding about the really big verse. Here it is. Proverbs 22 and 7. I might have said 27. Sorry. It's right next door. You can find it. Proverbs 22.7 says, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is servant, is a slave to the lender. There are all sorts of debt in this world. There's all types of debt. There's national debt, which right now I think exceeds $20 trillion. The swamp creatures in Washington, both sides of the aisle. They can't stop spending. They run up huge debts in order to buy votes in their districts. And you know who's going to pay the bill. We are, someday. There's mortgage debt. There's debt created by high medical bills. There's corporate debt, where companies borrow from a number of lenders to expand their operations and to buy next season's inventory. There's college debt that many carry in this age because the higher education business, and it really is a business, has dramatically increased its pricing faster really than any others any other commodity. There's car debt, debt on personal property. There are even 20 states in my quick analysis who are in who are in any reasonable accounting practice bankrupt, which is illegal, by the way since states do not print their own money, like the feds do. There's many types of debt. You can put debt into two buckets. Essentially, debt that you, you can handle, some business loans, some college loans, and reasonably sized mortgages. If you work this type of loans into your personal financial plan, taking on debt for the short term, and paying it down, it can be enabling. The reason why these enabling loans, these are enabling loans, is because if thought through and managed well into your personal financial plan, they assist in funding appreciating assets. Appreciating assets, like a house or a wise business expansion or a solid professional training that will position the graduate with the skills to earn more money. It's an investment, really. Well-planned debt for the short term on appreciating assets are enabling and you can handle, if you can handle this expense, a loan you cannot handle, a loan with a depreciating asset like a recliner chair or or a clunker automobile, this one hurts, or a yummy steak dinner, (laughs) Uh, or a loan with low initial terms and a balloon payment on the back end, or a mortgage at a low entry percentage that has a variable interest rate, or credit card debt, which on average charges over 22% interest, as seen in Proverbs 22, can be enslaving. Why would you want to be a slave to the lender? And what is the result of debt? Credit cards, for, for example, don't have fixed monthly charges to pay off the loan. You may apply for the credit card because you want the air miles, or you want the money back. What's in your wallet? (laughs) The enticements can be appealing, but foolish if you take these into your financial plan as a means to buy more depreciating recliners. And then the balance just grows. So now you have a credit card and you're off to the races. To follow the American dream. And you've probably heard this one. This is the sarcastic American dream. To buy things you don't need with money you don't have from people you don't know or really like that much. That's the American dream. More stuff. I had a hairstylist, oops, I had a barber (laughs) once uh, who was so excited to tell me that she and her recently wed Husband had bought a four-bedroom, two uh, 2,800 square foot house. This was in the early 2000s, when all across Columbus, just tracks and tracks of homes were going up, and you could just basically fill out a a uh, napkin and get a loan. <laughs> and so, you know, uh, there's not a whole lot you can do when you're sitting in the barber chair because she's clicking around you. You got to stay still, and you don't want to make a you know, in emotional discussions. And honestly, I didn't think it was my place to tell her, eh, you know, why? Why'd you do that? Because they were just recently married. Four bedroom house, no kids. And over time, I would hear stories of, of and kind of get a sense that the marriage was struggling a little bit. And then his work cut back on his hours. And I don't know if it was because of that or the house or the, just a symptom of a, A young couple having made poor financial decisions. But at the end of the day, uh, they couldn't afford it, the house. They had to give it back to the bank. And this caused a divorce. And she moved back to Michigan where I had to find a new barber. So this is an example, I think, of taking on debt that wasn't a wise decision. You can pretty much buy anything these days without money. I just saw an ad in the uh, newspaper where they go right they they, they don 't tell you what the total price is. This is what the monthly or yeah the monthly payment would be and we'll just put it on on charge for you, sir. We can finance it for you, ma'am. I had a retail uh, retail store client recently uh, I had a retail store client recently who was We were doing. My business was doing some um, work with them, trying to to fix some of their challenges. They had uh, some inventory issues, and uh, they didn't. They did. They weren't running their supply chain well. Well, and my firm was uh, working on the traditional. My firm was working on the traditional improvement projects on how we could make them more profitable, and maybe uh, look at their transportation and their warehousing. So that's what we were trying to work on. Going through their financials, we quickly realized, as we studied their books, that the part of the business, so the business is struggling, this is a billion dollar business, business is struggling, but look at this business unit, it's doing great. And it was keeping the whole business afloat. What was happening over here? Credit card. Their financial credit card operation, this isn't a bank, this is a retailer, was making so much money, and it was funding the rest of the business. Proverbs 22, and the borrower is servant to the lender. Do you realize that the total credit card debt in the United States, I looked this up, and Google don't lie. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, let's just take it. $13 trillion in credit card debt. Right now, $13 trillion with $4 trillion revolving every month which means 4 trillion is not paid off every month so that doesn't just stay down here 22% 22% 20, so it grows 13 trillion dollars on average the average household now this is the nation i'm sure it's not ohio because we're reasonable people on average on average the household has nine credit cards may not be credit cards it may be store cards but that's credit cards right Huh, do you have a Macy's card? No. And you get the look, but that's Do you realize that the average uh, credit card percentage, annual percentage rate, APR is twenty two percent? How much does a savings account pay you right now? How much does a certificate of deposit if you even know what those are? We used to have them at eight percent. I think they're less than one percent twenty two percent on. Thirteen trillion dollars. Now you know why those ads are out there all the time. Do you remember when the recession uh, happened in 2007? Because of our brilliant federal government mandating to mortgage lenders that they had to give subprime mortgages to high credit risk persons who in any sane financial world should never have been allowed credit limits of $75,000, 100000 $200,000 for a mortgage. But you need a house. You deserve a house. Forget the fact that your income could never really afford the house. Brian talked on this, I think, last week. Push past the fact that they had defaulted on loans before. Wouldn't you look great in a nice new suburban house? And once the bleeding hearts of Washington opened the gates to make everyone eligible for a home, regardless of your financial uh, history or income, the banks smelled blood in the water and they jumped into it whole hog. They realized the the government had opened up a whole new strata of of people who would take on debt. And it was guaranteed by the government. Then the perfect storm hit. In 2007, the economy slowed down a little bit. Unemployment crept up. And people couldn't pay their mortgages, which they probably should have not ever had uh, in the outset. Our first house, when I got out of the Army, was, uh, I think, $68,000. Two-bedroom, one-bath, little home. It was a great house. Why do you need big loans? So what happened is people defaulted on their homes, a number of banks, went insolvent as tens of thousands of homes were repossessed by banks. And everyday Americans, everyday Americans who thoughtfully made buying decisions within their means and took pride in paying their bills off each month, they were impacted. And the borrower is servant to the lender. Why do people get into debt trouble? There are a number of reasons. surprise financial hardships like a job loss or a large medical bill. Or you, your um, air conditioner go went out. Our air conditioner back here went out. That's a big air conditioner. That was a big that was a big problem. Luckily, we didn't take it on debt. Surprises happen in lives in our lives, and we have to be ready for that. And well-meaning people who don't want to declare bankruptcy sometimes have to take on short-term debt to pay the bills. I'm going to be completely tr- uh, transparent with you as I'm preaching on the matter of debt. And let me give you my our personal story. On December 18, 2017, so 18 months ago, my engineering firm I was working for, who had in the last six months hired a whole bunch of new resources, myself included, laid off about 20% of the workforce, myself included. Wasn't that a great Merry Christmas present from them? And since I was there such a short amount of time, there was no no uh, no money available. To make a long story short, within four weeks, I was very fortunate. And I took a position with a firm that I used to work with. Uh, and this firm managed and created global trade deals. We had a multi-million dollar, multi-year contract to work for Mohammed bin Salman. MBS, they call him. The crown prince of Saudi Arabia. H.R.H. is what we would have to call him, His Royal Highness. Our contract was to help this very rich nation identify and close large deals uh, around the world. You may have missed me. Maybe you didn't. But uh, in the late winter and, uh, of 17 and in, in early spring of 2018, because I was working in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, I was working for uh, His Royal Highness. My firm was. I never met him. Frankly, he wouldn't associate with us. But um, so I was over there. Why? We had bills to pay. I did what any person, any sane person, does when a short uh, notice change of employment happens. We had to pay the bills, so I went over there. I was contracted for to live in the lovely desert for a year, with a renewal period after that. What my firm didn't know, and by the way, we had great accommodations. All Westerners live in Western compounds and don't associate, other than work, with the uh, the locals. It was uh, an armed compound, and it was, uh, yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. But um, what my firm didn't know, however, was that the business practices of this particular culture was very different from our Western culture, or should I say our Christian business practices. We came to find out that even though our contract was Completely solid legally, it didn't matter in the Middle East. And even though our business performance tripled the performance targets that we set out in our contract, the payments started getting slower and slower. And my employer did not realize that as a non-Muslim Western supplier, we were treated with contempt. And ultimately, our contract was severed in order to hire relatives, Muslim relatives, from the certain clan to take over for us. So I was unemployed again, thankfully, back in the land of freedom and back with my beautiful Christian brothers and sisters here. But it took another three months to find a position, which God graciously provided. Long story short, however, during this unexpected job loss, I suppose you can say we planned for and took on debt to pay our expenses. We had to pay bills, two kids in college. We didn't have the income coming in, so slowly and surely, our credit card uh, debt crept up, and we're still paying on that, down, paying down that debt today, although we wisely converted away from the credit card to a fixed rate, much lower interest vehicle to get out of debt as quickly as possible. We want to get out of this credit card debt, and so we will not be slaves to the lender. Full disclosure, full transparency, and I suspect we're not the only ones now, let's be honest with each other. What's the biggest reason people get into debt? We humans can be a greedy people. We have a preoccupation with possessions and wealth. And Brian taught, taught on this last week. In many cases, we don't view money as belonging to God. We as a people don't think that God gives us a portion of the wealth of his wealth for us to take care of for him. We humans always want more. We want what's shiny and what's new. Toys that are bigger and have more features. We believe that we will be content once we have the next level of house or acquire the latest gadget. Then all will be well. We are sometimes impulsive in our buying habits. You don't have enough to make a purchase? No problem, says Mr. Retailer or Mrs. Banker, how about I loan you, say $500, and attach handcuffs to you while you pay it back with high usury level rates exceeding 22%. And if you don't pay it back, we'll have to take you to court and maybe even throw you in jail. That's being a slave to the lender. So think before you buy. In this age of hyper-advertising, Companies want you to make impulse buys. There's only two seats left at this price. This once-in-a-year deal ends on Sunday. Listen, buy one more just for $19.95. Think before you buy. Do I really need this thing? Is this the best use of God's funds? Don't let the greed of the fallen world put put you into debt. Why doesn't God want us in debt? He certainly doesn't want us to be slaves to lenders. He doesn't want us to be anxious. Having debt can cause anxiety and depression and guilt and a whole slew of emotions which can distract you and beat you down. God wants you to avoid debt because he loves you. And he wants you and he doesn't want you to live with this burden. If you're overwhelmed by debt and you don't have a plan to get out of debt, and you are, then you are focused on the debt rather than being a good steward. If you're not using God's resources that He gives you uh, to advance His kingdom, that's, that's a distraction. This is a straightforward, Proverbs 22 is a straightforward, easy to understand teaching from Scripture. Avoid debt that can make you a slave to the lenders. But either we don't get it for the wicked world we live in charms us and entices us to obtain the life that you deserve. Get it now while you can. Constant bombardment of advertisers left and right. I know it can be so easy to have that new iPhone because everyone at school has it. Or everybody at work has a, a iWatch, if that's what it's called. Is that what it's called? to get that new car because you certainly shouldn't be driving with 50,000 miles on your car. It's so quick these days to get credit and to buy things on credit. But the greased slide of debt is so easy to get on and to keep in order to keep up with your neighbors. The enticements are so pervasive in our culture that it's really countercultural not to make that impulse buy and go into avoidable debt. And the borrower is servant to the lender. The Bible says if you can't avoid it, don't take on debt. And the short-term gain that you obtain from chasing after that possession, you absolutely have to have, comes at a price of becoming a slave to the lender. Remember, all possessions, all possessions of value belong to God. Through His grace, He gives us treasure to see what kind of stewards we will be with his treasure. Will we support his work to expand the kingdom of God, or will we squander and waste the resources he gives us? Being a good steward means not to spend money every last dime that you, that he gives us. We are to live below our means, save his money so we have the ability ability to overcome surprise expenses when they arise in our lives. We are to save our funds and have them readily available when God gives us the opportunity to co-labor for his kingdom. Cantrell just sent uh, 30 kids to camp. We asked for funds to help sponsor those kids. If, you have, if you've spent all your money, oh, that's a great idea, but I can't help you. We helped. You guys were so generous, and we had such a fantastic event with these kids But that's because you had the resources and you had funds available when God called. A couple other principles on debt. I think they're in your handout. Listen, don't be part of the problem or curse of debt. If you see a believer who is in need of essentials in their lives, don't give them a loan. Just give them the money. One of my oldest friends in the business world came to me about seven years ago. During a time of unemployment. See, I'm not the only one. He was about to be evicted from his apartment. And he asked us. If we could cover his next rent check. I met with him. And I talked through with him. I know him. He's a Christian. Caught in a bind. Give him some tips on you know how to find a new job. Which I found out. He had a job. It was going to start in a week or two. But he just needed short term help. I came to find out. That they also needed uh, some probing questions. uh, They didn't have food. So having talked it over, important point. Having talked it over with my business partner, my wife. We wired the money to his landlord and gave him cash for food and, and incidentals. I'm not saying this to be big headed. I'm giving you an example. Then we just went on with our lives. He gives me whew, he gives me the best Merry Christmas texts that you'll ever read. And he did that he did that before this. He does it still today and Easter. And we kept up over the years. And about three years later I get a call from him. He was now living in Chicago. Out of the blue. And they said, Hey, they've worked themselves out of debt and he wanted to repay me. And I never expected this. We gave them a gift out of love, and we kept uh, to keep them above water. And we didn't really expect repayment. Here you go. See you later. Wait. Can't wait for your text. Somebody I knew and cared for asked for help, and God had given us the ability to help. So let me just say this quickly about asking for help. Often people don't ask for help. Even though, even though they need it. And we as a Christian community, God says, are to help. And maybe it's pride and maybe it's shame. But, but trust in God if you're needing help. There are people here who want to help. And do you realize, this was a small amount, honestly, that we did for this family. But do you realize when he came back and said, hey, I got the money back. And we're like oh yeah, that's right, we did that, didn't we? How blessed we felt to be used by God, that he had enough, this gentleman had enough trust to ask his friend for help and that God had given us money in order to help. So ask for help. Trust God. Build relationships. That's why we go to church. That's why we have fellowships. And trust people. God will use your situation when you ask. Think about that. You're just thinking about your situation. Think about the other person that you're gonna bless them for asking for help. Some future time and some future time, you may be asked for help and help out using God's provisions. Okay, Proverbs 17 18 says here's another principle. A man lacking judgment strikes hands in pledge and puts up security for his neighbor. You should not co-sign a loan. Maybe for your kids, maybe for a relative you really know, but don't do it. I've seen firsthand several business deals where two parties co-sign on a loan, hoping for the best and finding out later that the business partner wasn't as skilled as he said he was or as trustworthy as she said she was. So avoid this practice. Romans 13, 8 says, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. If you owe somebody, pay it back. On time and in full. Like my friend did. Now I hope he never had the... uh, burden of thinking, boy, Andrew's probably ticked off. I never paid that back because I didn't. But if you owe somebody, pay it back. Don't muzzle the ox. If someone works hard for you, don't be stingy. That doesn't show Christian testimony real well. A number of us are going to go out to lunch after this and give the waitress or waiter 8% tip. Does that show a good Christian witness? Avoid debt. If you do go into debt in your business or personal life, do it with careful thought. Do it to buy appreciating assets like a house. But don't be a slave to the lender. Avoid debt. It's very straightforward. I hope you get it. Listen, by the way, if you are having trouble in the area of debt, I can recommend some good resources from Dave Ramsey. We've done his class here at least once, maybe twice who has a ministry to get people focused on avoiding and getting out of debt. It's a winning war. You can win it. You've got to be wise about it. So I'm going to do a quick pivot now as we close out the service. We are all debtors. What? Huh? I don't owe anything. I don't own any credit cards. We are all debtors. However, to God's mercy and grace, his common grace. We sang about it this morning. One of my friends out there was telling me. We were talking about how beautiful it is. And isn't it interesting how God put, puts leaves on trees for, the, for shade in the summer. And takes them down so we can look around and hunt in the winter. He didn't say that part. I added that. God created all people. And upon all of mankind, God bestows common grace. So grace, as we know, is undeserved merit, undeserved blessing that freely bestowed by Creator God. Whether you love God, you know God, make fun of the concept that there is a Creator, or you actively hate the concept of God, He gives His grace to everybody, His unmerited favor. Hebrews 1, 2, and 3 says that God made the universe and His Son Jesus sustains all things, by his powerful word. Do you realize? We just said uh, the Apollo. No, it wasn't Apollo. The moon. The lunar landing. Which just had an anniversary. Can't remember. Thank you. How did that happen? How was that possible? I, was, see, I read how it, you know, it went around the uh, orbit. And then came back. And everything worked out. Now, there were some you know, misfires along the way. But God holds his hands. And sustains all things. Climate change, global warming, God sustains all things. And we trust that. That's what the Bible says. Matthew 5 says, he causes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good. And sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. We are all debtors to God's grace. Every person on earth. All of mankind benefits from God's common grace. The wonder of nature. The next heartbeat you just had. Just had. Just had. The remarkable craftsmanship. We've had some babies born here recently of a little baby. We are all indebted to God's grace. And then God gives special grace lovingly to the elect. God has such a love for us. A relationship with Christ does not start with us. It starts with him. The Holy Spirit is working in the lives of that atheist, that unbeliever. Salvation is not earned or merited by us. It is freely and lovingly given to us who do not deserve it. Ephesians 2, 7 and 9. Let me read that for you. Ephesians 2, 7 says, In order that in the coming ages he will show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus for it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. This is not from our, from yourselves. It is a gift, gift of God, not by works, so any man may boast. We are indebted to Christ. All of mankind, whether you want to admit it or not, whether you want to admit there is only one true and living God or not, we are indebted. First John four ten says, "This is love, not that we loved." god but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins friends if you're listening to me now or you're on the internet somewhere next week hearing this you didn't stumble on this message you were meant to hear it there are no surprises in god's economy there are no chances with god god loves you and he made you and is calling you to be saved but you have to believe God shows how much we are indebted to him by graciously providing redemption to us, even when we don't love him. Romans 5 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since I'll keep going, since we have been justified by his blood. How much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Through our sin, through the sin of mankind, we are enemies to the pure and holy God. He still loves us. And he he steps towards us. And asks us to believe. And to receive. You want to see. This is the last verse. But you want to see how the Bible shows. How much we are indebted. To God. Matthew 18. And 23. Now this is typically. A a teaching from Jesus. About forgiveness. And it's a great topic about forgiveness. But we're going to be focusing on calculation, a math problem. Therefore, what was it? Matthew 18 and 23. All right. Here it is. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay... Well, let me just stop right there. 10,000 talents. Ah, 10,000 talents. Let me give you the math problem. In the ancient Greek, a talent is called an attic talent. And clearly, Jesus is using this as a hyperbole, okay? Because you'll see in a second. But 10,000 talents was owned by this guy to his master. In the Greek language, an attic talent equals one attic talent equals 6000 denarii stay with me and which is 16 years wages so that's one talent equals six, one talent equals 16000 so 10000 talents this guy owned was 60 million denarii or 160 years worth of labor okay so jesus was giving an example of like a whole lot unbelievable amount. That this person owed to the Lord. It's a huge number. It's an over-the-top example. (coughs) Excuse me. That Jesus is using to get people's attention. The master in the story is God. The wicked servant. The wicked servant in the story is me. And you. The debt debt that he owns represents the sin that we have committed. This is almost incalculable level of debt that can never be paid back. 160,000 years. So back to the text in verse 25. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. I commend you to keep reading that because it's a great story on forgiveness. But we're looking at the debt. That's how much debt we owe. So essentially, the servant's punishment for owing such a ginormous amount of debt was that he and his family and all his possessions were to be sold off to pay the debt. That's a picture of hell. Think about that. If you have a family, they're sold off to pay off the debt. That's hell. And the servant begs for mercy. The servant falls down in front of the master and somehow believes that he'll be able to pay back what he owes. It's impossible. It's not going to happen. But isn't that so much like us to say, oh, we can do, you know, with our favor, we can, we can earn your, our way into heaven. And then we see the gracious picture of God Almighty having pity on him, us, having pity on us, and canceling the debt. Boom! Your debts are paid in full. They're canceled. You're now welcome to be with God in heaven. So do you get that? That's how much, if you look at our lives and read this again, that's debt. Unpayable debt. Our sin cannot be Conquered by ourselves. Do you look in the mirror of your soul and see how much debt you owe to God for this sinful life that we live? We can't ever repay it. It's no way. No way. It's impossible. But we serve the God of the possible. And He shows His mercy and cancels the unpayable debt that we owe Him. That is the debt that we owe. So why don't you stand?